Yes. So I have a question for you, John. Yeah, sure. This is an important question. Who I'm knows sure if this will be make it into the intro, but I think it will now. I promise <laughs> it will make it in. I think if I think people need to know. I think that sure. this is the question on everyone's lips. Yep. Uh John, do yep. you believe in ghosts? No. Mm, okay. Well, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to be able to mine that for some tent, but I don't think so. Let's go. You know we got to keep it hype all day and night like this. Showing love when we can. Shout out to the super fans. Uh huh. You don't really want to miss Pop Soccer. Stay lit. So if you're ready, we ride and take it back to the 90s. From movies to the video games, just a couple of nerds keep us so entertaining. Hey, Pop Saga. That's right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Saga, the pop culture podcast, where two longtime friends talk pulp culture. It almost sounded like I said pulp culture, but I didn't. I said a pop culture of their past, present, and future. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I'm, I'm coming across and I can communicate today. Uh, not always the case, but today, uh, we're doing like the theme song says, and we're going back to the nineties to talk about 1993's massive flop last action hero on its 30th. Yes, you heard me right. 30th anniversary. I'm Forrest and I am joined as always by John. And I have one question for you, John. I have is one answer. This a movie? <laughs> is it a movie? Um, is this a movie? <laughs> what yeah. are the rules? Well, I mean, uh, yes, it's a film. It was put <laughs> on cellul- celluloid or whatever. Um, no, I'm saying, is this a movie? Uh, what we're in right now? Yeah, exactly. Is this Lord, a I movie? I hope not, because this would be the worst damn movie you'd ever watch. Yeah, Just it's me pretty crying boring. Half the time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Crying game two. <laughs> Can I win the Powerball? I want to stop working. <laughs> oh wait, I have a meeting. Hey everybody, how you doing today? No, no, I was eating garlic. That makes I was you cry, eating garlic. Right? <laughs> Uh, X day on the Arlick Gray. Uh, oh, if you got Arlick Gray, there's there, there's a pill for that. I'm sure that they sell. Oh, do early they? in the morning, yeah. For those who like Arlick A, take yeah. Sorokonar. What? <laughs> that was cool. I love mm. that character in uh, the, the new Star Wars movies. He's pretty badass. Sorokonar. Sorokonar. <laughs> We'll give you gas. Indigestion. Yeah. Irritable bowels. That's who Kylo Ren was supposed to get the uh, that, that Sith, key Sith tracker him. thing yeah, from originally. <laughs> so <it was> like, <laughs> he lived on Mustafar. <laughs> don't worry. He'll, he'll, he'll figure it out. We're going to fast forward through a lot of this, though. Don't worry. Uh, Sarakarar. Yeah. One of those uncredited characters. <laughs> all those great uncredited weirdos uh do you remember have you played or i should i guess i should just ask, just ask have you played the uh vr only uh star wars games about darth vader 
No, no. Uh, I want to because I, they're pretty, pretty fun. fun. Yeah. But there is a there's a lot of story in those games, and yeah, they well, say we're already losing me. They say they they did an interview with the develop, developers, and they're you know. Like anyone who makes a Star Wars game that will eventually become non-canon, he said the same thing that everybody says, which is, I can't believe we're adding to the, the complex canon of the Star Wars universe. All the stuff in our game is 100% uh, considered canon. Uh, and uh, some stuff happens on that, in that um, sometimes stuff happens in that, uh, that game that cause plants to grow on Mustafar. So, so yeah, maybe that's why in Rise of Skywalker, (laughs) when he was supposed to be in Mustafar or whatever, uh, it was just like, uh, like a birch forest with a red filter. Cause they're like, Oh, we got to honor those VR games. Got to put some birch trees in here, I guess. (laughs) I mean, why not? First, like, I want to be like, why was that thing on Mustafar in the first place? Yeah, well, Vader was keeping it out in the middle of a field on a pedestal, I guess. Yeah, see, but, like, obviously he wasn't clued into the Emperor's Grandmaster plan for when he got thrown down the giant uh, poop shoot of the Death Star. So, like, why would that key be there? Maybe the uh, maybe the Emperor dropped it off when he go- went and picked up <laughs> Vader's corpse. <laughs> I'm going to need this later. I'll just leave uh, it right here. <laughs> so cool that the, the, the trees have blew, blossomed from that one time those things caused it to grow. I don't remember. But you whatever. remember. You, I remember. Everyone remembers it. Yeah. As long as you played it on the Oculus Quest. <laughs> yeah, right. And you somehow got through all three separately sold episodes uh, of Vader or Immortal is what the it has just come to me that's what it's called anyway yeah that's a, that's a false name it's <laughs> not immortal just saying <laughs> it doesn't do what it says on the tin yeah <laughs> I hate to break this to you uh he died he died probably not long after this you're like green Mustafar? <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> My whole aesthetic is around being like inhospitable. And now there's just some woods? Ugh, you ruined it. <laughs> I mean, they just ended up, did they end up just saying, oh, it was just on the other side that you never saw? Well, that's, like, you know how it goes in Star Wars. Yeah, there's only one works. biome per planet. Exactly. No, so no if it was there. a lava planet and then you did some. Oh, crazy stuff in a video game and it became uh like a heavily wooded planet it has to be all heavily wooded that's lava's gotta go yep you can't have two people get confused <laughs> right what then uh, you go to tatooine there's a nice part of it what yeah, why does well, everyone you, live there yeah no one's ever gone to the other side of tatooine no one's ever <laughs> seen it before <laughs> Oh, it's oh, on the it's west great. side of Tatooine. <laughs> I always wondered why people live there. It's yeah. you know what it is? Housing prices. Of course. I mean, though I don't think I could even afford an apartment on Tatooine. Oh no, yeah. No. <laughs> no. I mean, you see those things. Yeah. You I mean like you'd have to like that hole in the ground that the Lars live in? I mean, that's that's got to be. I mean, that's got to be so expensive. Yeah, it's got to be like, like 
2.5 mil at least. Yeah. It has multiple different areas, including mm-hmm. a hangar that yeah, a couple of, of speeders can fit in. Mm-hmm. And then I it's mean, got like acreage on top because they're, they're, they're yeah, farming. Yeah, where does moisture. it even end? <laughs> There's yeah, a lot knows. of moisture farming things. They go way out. Uh, like they're talking about like perimeters and stuff. Like they got a lot of land. Granted, it's a lot of shit sure. land. Sure, sure, but it's still theirs. Yeah, and now I mean, it's Jawas just like are coming to them. Think about someday mm. in the future of this very real thing that is that is Star Wars. Somebody's yep. gonna come back to that area, and they're gonna find the weirdest shit in that one. Just that one, like, there's going to be oh, the weirdest concentration of shit in this, just in this random farm. Everyone's going to be like, what happened here? There oh, are what? so many dead bodies <laughs> so many, that have been some, killed in so many different ways. Yeah, some are burnt, some are chopped. Uh, and then there's just two lightsabers here. Yeah, like, like three feet, maybe four down in the ground. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I know. Think about it. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be it would be insane. I bet you the blue milk will still be good too. Oh yeah, definitely. And I love that the fact that what I like to this isn't proven or it's not explicitly stated, but in Rise of Skywalker when that old woman comes up and she's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Who are you?" I'd love to think that she is the current owner of the Lars homestead, and she's just like. Are you burying something on my property? What the hell? It's bad enough I found all these charred corpses. <laughs> it's okay. I'm Ray Skywalker. Who? <laughs> Who is that? Oh, you mean the mail I've been getting here for a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> take, your, take your coupons. Take your space value pack. Are Get you sure? <laughs> Are you sure you're Ray Skywalker? Because you just said that like you were just making it up. <laughs> just now. You you literally went, I'm Ray Skywalker. Yeah. And you uh, looked you... up to the left. <laughs> you can't think about it. <laughs> you seem like someone who was probably related to the like the worst person in the entire galaxy. <laughs> that seems My, like the person you are. Burying up random things. <laughs> Not an old lady's moisture farm. What are those bobs? Get out of here. (laughs) Take your bobs with you. You wouldn't believe it. And so I told her to get lost. I'm riding away. I'm about 20 feet away. She lights up a lightsaber. I swear to God, she was going to cut me in two. (laughs) There was not even anybody there. She buried two lightsabers and lighted one one of her own. What am I supposed to think? She got three lightsabers. She's so she's so lightsaber rich. She's burying two in the sand. It's only one foot down. I mean, Someone's like Jawa's gonna come along and he's gonna poke an eye out. Someone's gonna get hurt. I walked over there, almost tripped on one. That's how close to the surface they are. It's terrible. It's sand. She buried it in sand. Not very it far. It's sand. It activated. It didn't split my Ethiopian half. <laughs> I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Um, <laughs> Got to get those callbacks in. Yeah, of the course. wind's going to expose those <laughs> in a day and a half. Yeah. And there's well, a good day for a Jawa, right? Yeah, totes. Totes. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Ooh, you know, he's just ready. Yeah. He's going to sell that for all the azuka you can eat. 
Those, they're going to have all the big sloppy eggs they can handle. Yeah, that's nasty. It was gross. Yeah. Also, it was very much like, and now it's gone, guys. Really? You weren't going to put it anywhere in a Tupperware to save for later? Half that's on your robe and your your uh, hairy hands. Yeah, it's not like you have like one of those... Uh... Those egg holding dishes that you see in movies where no, people like chip the top away. Oh like, man, do you think if they had rolled out a hover egg cup and <laughs> a big old slice it. of bread, I'd have been for it. I'd be like, oh man, these Jawas know how to get down. Yeah, they put out like a tablecloth and like a silver tea set, and you're like, whoa, I misjudge these guys. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I got bone china and everything. <laughs> they're, they're doing it up. You have to give it up to them, though. I mean, they they have demonstrably the most compassionate understanding of anyone I've ever seen in a Star Wars setting. How's, because how so? Well, because the Mando kills so many of them during his assault, uh, and they once he gets that egg for him all is forgiven like that's got to be somebody's brother or something <laughs> yeah but they wanted the egg more than they wa- yeah but i mean they probably wanted that egg more than they wanted their uh, their their brother i mean i've been there a few times yep. i've been like hmm i get a nice nice club sandwich right about now what i wouldn't do for one hey look over there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really depends. If it's a really good, like, if it's it's a really good Italian, like, sub or a hoagie, I don't know. that Maybe there's no limit on who I would just forget See? that was murdered. <laughs> the person who murdered them was like, stab, 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 your good friend, but... Mm-hmm. Got a bomb-ass sandwich. Like, a, a, like an actual can't-find-it-on-the-west-coast-very-easily-good Italian sub. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like... like well, mm. I don't like that you turned my friend to confetti, but I do love Italians. Oh, so I mean, you did deliver. Different. You did deliver. Right, yeah, didn't even ask for it. And it, I guess that would be the difference, though, because they really wanted that egg. <laughs> I mean, they really did. Honey, you won't believe it's been a real roller coaster of a day. First off, bad news. Tim is confetti now. Oh. But the good news, I got a fistful of egg goo. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Wooly egg goop. <laughs> you <laughs> The <met>. very same. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> <Yep>. Come on, <laughs> Favreau. We know you listen. Letters on your in your writer's room. You could be getting gold like this. We're really filling out the world. I mean, you wanted depth. We brought you depth. Everyone was saying Andor was giving you the the nitty gritty. No, no, we're delivering on the things that people really want to know. How fancy Jawas are. Yeah. What do Ewoks do on their off day? Mm-hmm. What um, do Ewoks do on their off day? I probably eat people. You think so? Well, I mean, they definitely do eat people. That is confirmed. <laughs> they they try to eat our heroes, and they definitely eat some sort of stormtroopers. Oh do you yeah, think, like, yeah, yeah. Do you think at, the, at that little celebration they had after the Empire went down, they're passing around like an Ewok is walking around with password d'oeuvres, and uh, you know Han reaches <laughs> for one, and and Leia's just like, Mm-mm, no, Mm-mm. no, no. Do you want to eat human? 
No, yeah, you do. Well, <laughs> oh, well, I wish you had told me that beforehand. <laughs> just smash cut to Chewy. He's just got human all over his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> like, he says the good. sauce is great, kid. <laughs> I don't like how he's eyeing me now. <laughs> Cut to the Millennium Falcon cockpit. It's Chewie's mind on with a bib and a fork in the night. Cut that out, Chewie. He's got a taste for people meat. <laughs> And he's indiscriminate. Uh, he doesn't care if it's Empire or rebel, Rebellion. He's got, he's got the lust. <laughs> he uh, can't stop it. You can see it in his eyes. Uh, see? I mean, come on. This kind of stuff writes itself. Talk yeah, about like bro. filling out the gaps. You know what I mean? It really That's the stuff I want to know. That's the stuff I want to know. Like, I want to see the first time they both like committed cannibalism. That's the only way I'd watch Solo 2. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It just if it takes, it somehow takes place after uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Chewie, what what do you think kind of meat this is? <laughs> so good. It's in its own sauce. <laughs> Sweat. <laughs> right. <laughs> now you just said it's marinated in fear, kid. Uh, this is a bad sign for last section here. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's the thirtieth anniversary and all, but um. I mean, I guess we could we could jump into it. We could leave Cannibal Han and Chewie aside for let's a bit. put a let's put a pin in it. I think we've yeah. got something here. We need to come back to. Yeah, <laughs> the, I agree. The people are we're leaving. You know what? Leave them wanting more. Um, but uh, before we get started, John, are you enjoying any frosty beverage this evening? Yeah, yeah I'm trying to open the damn thing. Oh, very there, good. There we go. Here, there we go. Oh. I heard the pop. That's right. All right. So here we go. Let's tell us a little bit about what you are enjoying. Well, I went and um, picked these up before uh, La Kidney Stone, so I haven't really had a chance to try many of them. So I went with the Craft House Cocktails, Rum Old Fashioned, made with Jamaican and Steyr Aged Rum, Real Sugar, and Chocolate Bitters. Tells me they serve it over ice, but they don't live in my house, so no ice is here. <laughs> Take that, craft cocktails. You can craft yourself a little letter uh, that says uh, you're still a good person, even though you got burned so bad. Um, <laughs> Use some of them orange peels that you suggest I put in my cocktail for them burns. <laughs> that sounds like the worst thing you could put on a burn. Probably. I was like, yeah, people put orange uh, oil on uh, burns, right? I don't oh, know. God, I don't hope not. I feel like that oil is just going to trap the heat inside and make the burn much worse. Yeah, you're probably right. Well, that's that's what I'm drinking, and it's actually pretty smooth. I, I do wish I had ice, but that ain't going to happen. Hey, well, an old-fashioned is always good, and I think a rum old-fashioned really would be good. Here, let me pop the top on my frosty beverage. Okay. Oh, All wow. right, that's right. And then we're going to pour it into a glass. Can you hear it? 
can you hear the glass pouring? I don't feel like you can. No, not at all. Yeah, fun. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> poured it into a glass. Uh, our old friend, Frime. Remember Frime, the the uh, brewery bear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Frime, uh, the brewery bear. That, that's right. For the From Hood River, Oregon, it's the Pilsner that they proudly craft and humbly offer. Frime. Pilsner. It's a beer. And I'm going to put. That's right. And guess what? They didn't recommend this, but I'm going to squeeze a wedge of lime in it. That's right. Well, oh, this. You got yeah. citrus up there. That's Fancy. Right. <clears throat> Here's a... So, if you will remember, last episode, I mentioned something when we talked about the new cocktail, Starry. I mentioned yeah, yeah. creating a cocktail inspired by Starry. Yeah, but you didn't actually use Starry in it, right? Uh, so, well... <laughs> No, <laughs> yeah, figured. <laughs> Could not find Starry at the uh, the Total Wine. So just Fair FYI, enough. Total Wine. Get your, I mean, not so total because you didn't have Starry. A lot of Sprite, not a lot of Starry. But uh, I crafted said cocktail exactly how I said I was going to, which yep. contained vodka, mm-hmm. creme de lavender. No, no, yep. creme de la violette. Actually, yes, the violet. That's what she said. Yep. Uh, creme de violet and blue curacao. And I. So I put uh, two ounces of rum and then three quarters of an ounce of both creme de violet and blue curacao and topped it off with a frizzy, fizzy, not starry uh, um, uh, lemon lime soda. And. Uh, it was very bad. <laughs> I suggest that you don't put it together out there. It was cloyingly sweet. Uh, you can mess around with those ingredients uh, and probably get something good. But the thing is, once you put blue curacao on something, it it, it totally overpowers everything else, uh, both in terms of the color and the flavor. And so that was the bad move. I ended up later uh, that night, mm. uh, after that st- stinging defeat, I ended up making... A uh, a vodka tonic, but with a little bit of creme de violet in there, and it was terrific. Just just so yummy and, and delicious. Recommend that. But as far as the so-called starry night that I was trying to create, uh, don't don't do it. <laughs> All right, I won't do that. But I will try to make my bootleg starry night with just Empress Gin and starry, and yeah. we'll see what happens there. I'm sure I'll that'll be know. great. Yeah, I'm sure I mean, be great. what is that like a seven and seven? Pretty much. Yeah, but like with really nice gin versus <laughs> just like Seagrams. Yeah, the that old uh, that Empress Jim Jim Empress Jim. No, and the Empress Gin is not screwing around. I took a look for it myself while I was there at Total Wine, and it was there. And I was like, hmm? "Salute to you." Yeah, yeah, very cool. And, and, it's and cool that two... John got it, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not no, gonna I... pick that shit. I literally got two bottles of it. Wow. Are they yeah. gifts or are these gifts, gifts to yourself? Gifts. No, gifts. Gifts oh, yeah. to me, same Christmas, both both delivered. Same wow. same day. They were like, hey, you like gin? Here's some blue shit. And I was like, whoa. And I can <laughs> tell you that I have not been 
really dip into the, my Empress Gin, but it, mm. it keeps kind of shrinking. Mm. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> I, I wonder where it's going. But I know I'm not drinking it. Unless where could I, it be going? I have no way of knowing. <laughs> Except when I'm gonna like, set up the nest camp to gonna see find... who's drinking my Empress Gin. <laughs> yeah, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. Oh, I shouldn't have yeah. said that. on put that on wax. So well, no, we're gonna just cut it out. Let's cut that one out. Uh, no, I'm not gonna cut it out. Fuck it. They don't <laughs> listen. I don't give a shit. I know who's doing it. They just won't fuss up to it. <laughs> So yeah, we're today we're talking about uh, last action here. Thirty years ago, it uh, according to Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was the start of the downfall of his career. <laughs> he saw this as the beginning of the end. Uh, so to him, this is where Arnold jumped the shark. It's hard to, I mean, it's not hard to imagine why he felt that way. He was like coming off of a string of just like Arnold can do no wrong. Everything he puts out there is a masterpiece. It makes a millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And then this comes out and is like a bona fide flop. Yeah, I mean it is it is I mean it made its money back eventually. But yeah, barely. And then a little bit. Well actually <clears throat> if you take into account they say that, like, what, you have to d- double the budget for advertising? Sure. And the movie was cost, like, what, 80 th- uh, million? 85. 85. And so, and then I think it made 147. So it probably didn't even. Yeah, 37. So it probably didn't even break even after advertising costs. I mean, you're. You are correct in that regard. So I, I will retract my statement. Maybe, about like. It Eventually, like with home video sales, it probably turned a profit. Uh, eventually, when they sold it to cable or something. I mean, shit. Like it was. No, I don't even think. I mean, it's probably made its money back. <laughs> it's still trying to make its money back. Like, I mean, it took him going into making uh, True Lies and Junior mm-hmm. to get the kind of get back on the. Um, Schwarzenegger train, but but it was yeah. never like the height. He was never like in full peak uh, Arnie. No, again no. after this no. point. No, like True Lies is a fun movie, but yeah, everything else was just almost like in this sense instance of this movie it was just more of a caricature of who he was at that point. Than just kind of continuing the, you know, the the Arnold train. Yeah, <clears throat> this movie was was uh, originally created by two people who have who had just graduated college, and they were like, "We love action movies. Let's make write an action movie script." And it's the first script they'd ever written. They just kind of did it. They like watched a bunch of action movies. They wrote a script. And they, they, I don't know how one does this, but uh, they got it shopped around in Hollywood, and there was a bidding war over it. Uh, and it eventually sold for $350,000 for these guys. And they were fired almost immediately after <laughs> they bought the people bought the script. Uh, because they took it to Arnold, who was like, 
I love the idea of a kid being pulled into a movie. Uh, It makes me think about when I was a kid and I love movies and like, you know, riding on the same horse with John Wayne. I don't know that why that was his go-to thing, but that's something he wanted to do as a kid. Um, but he's like, this script is awful. It doesn't make sense. It's not professionally written. And so they then took it around to like every prominent script doctor who was working in Hollywood at that time. Which is... Incredible. It's incredible how many people touched this movie and what it turned out. I mean, too many cooks, I guess, but. I mean, I could see that. But now that kind of makes me wonder what the original one was. It was, the original one, I mean, it's always been the the central, like, core theme of a, uh, of an action star, which in the original script was named Arno Slater. Oh, well, that's what they should have done. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they named the main character Arno, which no one has ever been named. <laughs> There's no one, I mean, that apologies you know. out there that I know, exactly. <laughs> apologies out there if your name is Arno. <laughs> Sorry, Arno, but uh, they named him uh, Arno Slater, and it was always sort of, I think originally it was more of a parody movie, like Naked Gun or Airplane, than the sort of weird in-between movie that it eventually became. But uh, Carrie Fisher, speaking of Princess Leia, mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher was uncredited as a ghostwriter on this, so she took a look at it. And uh, <clears throat> Shane Black. Yep. The guy who made Lethal Weapon and was in Predator with mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger was hired to do a version of the script. And then when John McTiernan got brought on board, he basically rewrote the entire movie himself. And then Shane Black was fired. Oh, I didn't realize that happened. Yeah. So he didn't, the version of the movie that's on the screen, according to him, at least is really not like a lot, like not really what he wrote. In fact, he goes, I read an article where he goes through and points out, this aspect was from this writer who brought who was brought in. This aspect's from the original script, and this aspect's from the one that I did. And so they just kind of like cobbled together a Frankenstein of a movie, uh, which is fascinating. Because I didn't, I was kind of feeling it this time when I was watching it. I was like, okay, the jokes are funny, yep, but they don't land. <laughs> like, why am I not laughing? That was like, I would sort of be watching and I would intellectually say. Yeah, that's a pretty good joke. But like, that's it. There's no outward chuckle, anything. I'm just like, oh, hmm, funny. It's a, the construction and the delivery seem like it should be funny. It's not, but it feels like it should be. Well, I read somewhere they were saying that filming kind of went between editing, not not having a full like time to edit because they had such a crunch to get it out there, and they were filming some parts up until almost release. Yeah, the the post-processing were finished two weeks before it came out. Yeah, I mean... Sorry, the the post-effects, all the, the, uh, you know, secondary effects. There's definitely one effect there. I was like, oh, yeah, you did that last minute. Boy, (laughs) when he's he's jumping down the side of the helm. I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. It was color forms. 
They poochied the shit out of that one. Yeah, they, they did. They just like you could just see the hands on the side just moving the film <laughs> piece down as he was coming through. Yeah. Ooh. Um. I don't know. Like, I put it like this: when I when this movie came out, I had no interest in seeing it because I was like, it's PG thirteen. Arnold ain't gonna murder nobody. A kid. And I was just yeah. kind of done with it, even though I, I think I had the uh, Ripper action figure out of all of them. That's uh, funny. The, the guy who was in the movie for a total of 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, they really, they thought this movie was going to be big. Um, at the time, it was one of the most expensive movies that was ever made. In 85 uh, mil in 93, that ain't no... Uh, truly. That, and a lot of it joke. was just like, they... One of the the writers that they brought on, one of the script doctors, they paid him a million dollars to rewrite the movie in four days. They they were the article I heard or read or I sorry that I read described it as this is something that if you were an executive and you were worried about the, how a movie was kind of turning out, mm. you would make a big show of hiring these like the best script doctor in Hollywood paying them an exorbitant amount of money and having them rewrite your script. So it eventually you could say, well, it wasn't my fault. Like I did everything I could to make this good and it just didn't work out. Damn. But just picture getting, being those two dudes who wrote it originally and then find out they paid somebody a million bucks to rewrite your shit after no one else could figure out how to write it. Right. Yeah. They were, I, they were definitely in the article that I was reading as well. And they were talking about how they loved Shane Black movies. And that, that, that was like, they based some of the scenes on, uh, these movies that Shane Black had made. And then he's coming in to replace them and rewrite them and how much of a bizarre experience that was. I mean, I guess it's fitting. It, I mean, I'll be like this. It definitely has the, like, McTiernan uh, hallmarks, you know, but almost like lampooned version of himself. But I could totally see, like, the bits of uh, Shane Black, that styling in there. Like, it, it, it's got action movie at its core. Um but I, 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 it's definitely, how do I put it? Let me not bury the lead. It's not great. <laughs> no. But I, it's, <clears throat> I mean, to me, it's not as bad as it was when I was a kid. I'm not offended uh, like I, I was when I was a kid because yeah. I think I'm, I was thinking back on that time. And even though action movies were sort of already in a, a decline, like they had saw, seen this huge uh, peak in the mid 80s of this t style of action movie and it was already sort of starting to fall out of vogue but to me as a kid I still love those movies those are my favorite movies so when this movie came out it felt mm. like it was talking it was felt like it was like talking at me or people like me who liked movies like this and saying hey look how dumb and this formulaic the things that you like are and I think I that was part of the reason I reacted so negatively to it because I'm just like, no, this is the thing you're making fun of is the movie I want to see. Like the thing that you're lampooning and, and pointing out how formulated it is, that's what I want. <laughs> so it's mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't think I was ready for that message. I think these days with, you know, a thousand foot view and being just more of a cynical adult, yeah, I'm ready for it. Yeah, action <laughs> movies are formulaic and dub. And yeah. uh, I like uh, I like cameos. 
even when they don't make sense. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch that don't make sense in this movie. I, I mean, I just, I just felt like Robert Patrick's. Like that one I don't actually understand at all. <laughs> so I have a funny story about that. Yeah. So Robert Patrick was doing ADR on an indie film. You know, because okay. he had he had been in the Terminator two, and and you know he didn't his career wasn't exactly blown up, but he was he was doing that, and he gets a call from Arnold, and Arnold's basically like, "Hey, I need you to come and do the same cameo you did in Wayne's World two, in my movie." He had basically seen Robert Patrick do this once before, and probably figured he would do it again, and was like, "Yeah, I'll pay you just just do the thing you did in Wayne's World two." <laughs> you just got. <laughs> And Robert Patrick was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> but he he made it sound like Arnold was like, you have to. You have to do this for me. I mean, it'll be, it'll be funny. It'll be great. You'll come in. You know, people will be like, oh, no, it's the dude from the Terminator with the other Terminator guy. People will f- find it real quickly. And then he just walks by for like a fraction of a second. Same yeah. with... Same with Sharon Stone. Sharon like, Stone. <laughs> yeah, like, this is one of the things that, that Shane Black points out. Because the movie is is ostensibly supposed to be, like, an action film mm-hmm. uh, that we're watching and where we're experiencing. And it's the, the interesting part is that the kid knows the tropes. And so that gives them an advantage or, you know, it shines a spotlight and lampshades some of these tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they go to the police station, what kind of fucking movie is this? <laughs> Because not only are there people from different movies who are just there and playing the characters they were in those different movies, but also a cartoon cat is there? Yep. <laughs> it's yep. like it's like it becomes a nexus of fourth wall breaking other genres instead of being its own action thing. Yeah, that could have been done well. That could have been, you could have had all these actors cameo as different characters. No, totally. I just, uh, yeah, I think a a defter hand probably would have been needed in terms of just like, no, you're going to want to put all this extra like Easter eggs or all this crap in here. Don't do it. Like just make a movie inside the movie and then have both of those movies interact with each other at some point. Like have the real world finally interact with the movie world and you could still do that, but don't put in these other cameos do not have a danny devito cat show up in <laughs> uncredited. This. uncredited uncredited voice acting role as yeah. whiskers the detective yeah the uh sexual harassment detective uh yeah a real she... piece of shit <laughs> a, yeah. real, a real gross piece of shit well it's like come on man like but um i don't know i kind of and this is probably wrong of me to do. I liken this to like really just satire at a certain point. Though I think at the time it came out, no one saw it that way. I think older John sees it as, yeah, it's just like people who were intimately familiar with this genre. I mean, McTiernan made, geez, I mean, Predator, Die Hard. Like, I mean, the list goes on of movies he's made. And Arnold was the face of the, you know, action hero genre through and put it on his shoulders pretty much, you know, with Stallone and everyone else. Just kind of making fun of that. But I think just not as well, well 
executed as they thought they would. Even though there are some gems, like you said, there's things in there that generally are or should be funny. Like the the acorn jokes when he kicks that dude in the balls. I thought that was... <laughs> uh, you, mean, you mean acres. Acres? No, I thought he said acorns. <laughs> it's two acres. Oh, I don't like that thing. I thought acorns because nuts. And I was like, <laughs> that's clever. Right, because he says... Oh, well, what is the line that's preceding it? Something I about a real I estate or, or something? Uh, here's two acres, I think. <laughs> he means his balls. Do you get it? He kicks a man in his balls. Uh, and he says, here's two acres. Oh, I thought he said two acorns. I was like, that makes more sense. They're nuts. <laughs> Does it make more sense? It makes more Well, okay. Yeah, I was filling it in then. Or maybe I was yawning when that scene came. But I he, mean... says, he says, uh, hey, you want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. <laughs> I mean, I guess that makes more sense. Versus acorns. You were thinking, he's like, hey, you want to be a farmer? Here's two acorns to get you started. For yeah, your like... acorn farm, the classic. Well, I'm just thinking farming. I'm just thinking nuts. He kicked him in the nuts. He's pointing out the nuts. That's what I thought. Nuts. I didn't realize he said acres. Maybe it's a, you know, uh, okay. I'm gonna take off a point for it. (laughs) You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acorns. See, it still works. (laughs) It doesn't work. It does. It works. No, it's an acorn farmer. Sure. How do oh, you get acorns? You, yeah, what do you eat? What's last, when's the last time you ate a fucking acorn or anything made out of an acorn? <laughs> uh, I don't know. A couple days ago. I'm sure they got something at the Starbucks. Okay, whatever, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> They're still nuts. I mean, are they? I don't even know. What I don't doing. know. I don't know. I don't know my... <laughs> Apparently, uh, the cowboy boots that uh, that uh, Jack Slater wears were very. Uh, Schwarzenegger was very meticulous about picking out the exact right ones. They spent a week driving cars or doing sorry doing screen tests with cars to find the exact right car uh, for Jack Slater. I didn't know that Arnold Schwarzenegger was this a involved with how he constructs his characters. Well, and I think this is the first time where he was he uh, was produced. like, this is the one. Well, I think this is the first one where, I mean, this is height, like you said, Schwarzenegger power. Oh, yeah. So I think this is the first time he was, I, I saw him accredited as a producer. So I think this is probably the first film he was a producer on. So he just probably involved himself in as many facets as possible because it's a, sure, yeah. probably different. Though none of what you were talking about matters. Uh, like I, I wouldn't be weirded out if he didn't wear those cowboy boots, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, it doesn't work. They need to be a particular type of snake skin. But they definitely get a lot of play. There's a oh, lot yeah. of uh, there's a lot of close ups on those boots. Uh, as as he spends numerous scenes walking across the top of a car. Yeah, yeah. Like, when we get introduced to him the first time, he shows up just walking across police car roofs. You know, for some reason. that cool trope. Yep, yep, for some reason. Uh, of course, this was back in uh, Jack Slater 3. 
the, the slatering. The, yeah, the where he his kid is thrown off of a building. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. Yeah, normally, normally you'd be like, "Oh, he saved the day, and he he killed the rip. He killed the ripper." But instead, no, he just had that trauma, and they carried that through. It's just like. Yeah, one of the better moments in the movie, I think, is him talking about how just being bitter at the uh, the, the things that they put him through for the, the entertainment of the audience. Yeah, I mean, especially when he finally realizes that is what it is. You know, I, I can mm-hmm. imagine he's still angry, but there's what can he do? It's the same thing as when he's driving perfectly normal and there's a bunch of cars behind him just careening. He's <laughs> like, there's <laughs> yeah. always an exit. You're like, hmm? not driving crazy all the time <laughs> right that's not really a trope either again there's like this movie wants to be a lot of different things and i think mm. that that comes through the most in its runtime yeah, uh because as you communicated to me after we decided on this theme uh this movie was two hours and 10 minutes long and boy howdy does it feel it <laughs> yeah. definitely definitely so in my mind, the mm. ending part of the movie, the part in which Jack and uh, Benedict, I think that's his name. Uh, yeah, yeah, Charles Dance's character. Charles Dance's character uh, escape from the film world into the real world. There is still 40 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, a, it's a, it's a in tough In my mind, fact. that happens, there's 10 minutes left. Like in my memory, there was ten. That's like just at the end of the movie that kind of happens. No, there's a lot of time. They spend a lot of time, and that's after they've done a whole Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Just about like, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do damn near do the whole thing, and then we have to see these two people out, not sort of out of time, but you know, out of like normal space that behaves to the rules that they're used to being in the real world like we're watching benedict think about cinema learn how to use this half of the golden ticket type of thing to like a, a ruthless efficiency and also realizes you can just cold blurred cold-bloodedly murder somebody in the street and no one will answer that call yeah again like you said there are these little moments where you're like oh this in here somewhere is a really good movie now yeah. I know we talked about this a little bit. It's having a bit of a renaissance. I'm not, I'm not on board with the renaissance. I don't hate it as much as I did when I was a kid, but watching it again today, it is like a bloated, uneven, weird hodgepodge of a mess of a movie. To the point when I read, because I read that all those articles and stuff after I watched it, I didn't mm. poison myself with this idea when I was watching it. But I was like, after I finished, I was like, what? What a weird, what a weird movie. I wanted to find out what was the deal. How did this come to be? And lo and behold, it had just more, way more sparks and drama and, and uh, you know, explosions behind the set scenes than it did it uh, in front of the camera. I mean, it feels like it. It feels like it. But like I said earlier, it's, I'm not going to condemn it as much for having that. It, but there definitely is a better movie in this i think you could get it to an hour 40 hour 45 and it would still have the same impact yeah Um, and that's apparently how long the rough cut was originally was an hour and 40 so they added a ton of stuff to pad it out and i can't figure out why (laughs) yeah well it's it's 
I, I mean, I don't get it. Like the third act is rough in terms of coming to the real world. Actually, I feel like that's when it falters the most because there are, while there are some wonderful moments in that, it feels like it loses the most momentum because it then becomes what it was parroting in sure. earlier. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't need to see uh, Benedict go take the film reel to go talk to the Ripper in some cafe. I don't like, they're just these moments that they kind of add into it that we probably would have already been explained away if we were like, oh, well he went to the real world. Yeah. He's just and gonna did, start. Did you know in the original shooting script, there was mm. a scene that Benedict hints at, but they never shot, which where he does summon all these movie monsters uh, at the end to have this big, like in the climax of the movie. I don't how like cool, that. Yeah, yeah, how cool it would have been to see like Dracula, like King Kong's arm comes through. Uh, Jason. Sir Ian McKellen playing death. For some reason. For some reason appears. And, and somehow movie death knows Danny, but doesn't know <laughs> Is actual <Jack's> death. <laughs> somehow movie death is real death. Yeah, but not, yeah, he's real death. But it's so weird. It's just so also weird. he doesn't go back to the movies. No, no, he's just walking the streets to this day. Ian McKellen as death. There's a death looking like Ian McKellen just walking around, touching people right as they're about to die. Uh, I guess he has taken the place of this Earth's death. No, I don't. It could know. be worse. What are the rules? I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, definitely time dilation in this movie messes you up. Like, there's the whole part before Danny even goes sees the movie before this even transpires, where he's, like, going to sneak out. Some some uh, thug breaks into his house, tries to rob him, handcuffs him, throws the handcuff key in the water, and that's, like, at 1110. And then he's, <laughs> then he's at the police station by 1150. He still makes it in time to go see the movie anyway. <laughs> well... They only had so many blocks of L.A. that they could transform into uh, New York. New York. I hear that. But here's the thing. Didn't need that scene at all. I'm going to cut nope. all that out. <laughs> I because mean, I'm just looking at Danny's hands going, what's this kid doing? Who's he punching? What's he stealing? Because they're all broken and calloused over and sharp and like, like he's got scabs and stuff. I'm like, this poor Danny kid, what's he doing? What's he he's doing? A, his life is quite sad. And... Those parts definitely give a hint, I feel like, at the darker movie that this was once supposed to be. Because, like, you know, his situation is very serious. Uh, his dad died, uh, mm -hmm. apparently of cancer, in a deleted scene that they, they didn't elaborate on in the actual movie. But uh, And he's being raised by his single mother and a widower who is trying her best and has to be out of the house a lot. He is a total latchkey kid. Mm -hmm. He's not going to school. He's spending all the time with this old man who is somehow able to keep this theater afloat, even though it's graffitied inside and out. Yeah, and it's boarded up outside. Jesus. Right. <laughs> somehow is still an operating movie theater. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like when the movie started, I was like, wow, I didn't really, I didn't remember how they showed how serious how seriously bad this kid's life was and then 
how he went to the movies as this sort of escapism to the point where he is like he's like three hours late for school so he's pretty much missed all of school sneaks in a little late and sees they're watching a clip of hamlet and he fantasizes that jack slate slater is hamlet basically arnold schwarzenegger is playing hamlet and a action movie version of hamlet uh you know this is sort of created in his fantasy in his mind palace which is i guess from the original script which was honestly probably one of my favorite parts it's pretty funny yeah it's like I'm like, look, all the Shakespeare that I had to read in high school, I much rather have been done by the like the forefathers of action movies. It's like, Absolutely. You know, it's like, you know, not to be, you know, and all that stuff. I'm for it. I'm and he for pulls it. out Uzi and everything. Yeah, well, like you do in most uh, most action movies. Yeah, right. And then take place in Hamlet times. Hey, remember Romeo and Juliet by Baz Luhrmann? They had guns. Just saying. That's true. I'm Sword sure. fifty millimeter, <laughs> forty five millimeter. I remember it well. Yeah, rapier. And you're like, no, dude, that's just a gun that wouldn't work because most of the gun parts are missing. But that's fine. That's yeah, cool. sure. Whatever you. Okay. Whatever I guess. Want. I guess. I will wear sunscreen. Stop yelling at me. Anyway. Yeah. Whatever. John Leguizamo. <laughs> He was in that movie, right? Sure. Um, but I, I uh, mean, he is as much in that movie as Art Carney was in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Art Carney! Wow, he is in that for in the movie for ten seconds before being uh, exploded in a very again. I like this scene too when uh, when when Jack Slater is he's going to his favorite second cousin's house. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Who, who the 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 bad guy uh, Tony Vivaldi has uh, has rigged with a bomb and then a series of flashcards counting down to one that are, are perfectly timed to the point where uh, Jack can pick them up, count down to one, and then you know jump away exactly uh, on time. Another f- fun part that I like is. Uh, the one of the police officers, one of the two police officers that lands in a tree after the explosion, all broken and bloody, just goes, uh, two weeks to retirement." Yep. <laughs> and dies. Yeah, I love it that that uh, old action movie trope. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. There are parts in it where it's. I don't want to be like it's fun. It's fine. Like, and it it. There are part. How do I put it? I think you help me out this because you're the wordsmith. <laughs> I feel like uh-huh. there are parts of it that realizes, like I said, what it is, and when it does, I think the movie's at its best. Yeah, and then yeah. The, there are parts when they're trying to move the story along, and it doesn't matter, like. Like the double cross that you knew was going to be a double cross because, you know, Danny knew it was going to be a double cross because he was Vivaldi and Amadeus, which means this kid's like a total cinephile too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, but like there's that part I was like, okay, we don't really need the double cross here. You could just do the whole like exploding, like a nerve gas fart scene, I guess. Oh, right. Right. What was that guy named? Someone the fart. 
Yep. Like, I don't know, Tony the Fart. Something like that. Yeah. Again, Tommy the this fart. is... Uh, this is a part of the uh this is a part of the movie in which they say that that whole scenes were cut out. Again, this movie is 2 hours and 10 minutes. Why is any scene cut out? But this they cut out the the reason why they put dynamite in the dead body. Of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character Jack Slater says, "Oh, this is what they'll do. They'll stuff his his corpse full of dynamite." But they never explain why. Because it just looks like there's other mob bosses there, including the one. I mean, I guess he kind of gets out of there beforehand, so maybe he wanted the other mob bosses dead, but they uh, never talk about that. Well, <laughs> they never I mean, explain. Not, there's no not, exposition. Not in full detail, but there, there's the earlier thing where you could see Anthony Quinn's character, Vivaldi, which is so funny. That Anyway, whatever. Um Vivaldi there they were talking about like getting rid of him so I mean there's a there's a brief mention but again I think in service to lampooning an action movie the I'm trying to figure out a good way to explain it the movie inside this movie the action movie inside of the Jack Slater movie is like a caricature of action movies and I actually think clearly yeah but the thing is I think that actually does it a disservice I think it should have just been another action movie inside of it where it's just following those trends instead of just using the tropes, but using them better than calling them out. You could still have Danny be the, you know, action movie, uh, whisperer and understanding, Oh, this is just like in Jack's later too. When you got double crossed by so-and-so or whatever, he could still be that. But instead of just, I don't know, going for the joke, because I don't see, like, you know, uh, John McClane disarming, like, Hans Gruber's butt before it explodes. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't need to <laughs> be this comically driven, I guess. I, I, yeah. I get it's meant to be a comedy and it's meant to be for kids and stuff, but I think it could have been, you know, a little bit more. They built that entire La Brea Tar Pits set from scratch in a random motel somewhere. Yeah, $85 million, I believe it. Yep. <laughs> Like, it's got to be real tall. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not, of course. It can't be real tall. Although that again, that scene where he is wiping himself off a little bit, and then it cuts back, and he's completely clean. Uh, that's pretty funny. But again, it's not edited right. (laughs) It doesn't. It doesn't land. The editing needs to be like pitch perfect, and it never does it. Uh. In an interview, John McTiernan was talking about how they had so little time to edit that so many of the action scenes are just as they came out of his camera. Uh, and they basically they cut the, the, the start and the tail end off, and that's it. No editing internally. And you can tell. Yeah. Again, these like there's a lot of snappy, humorous, potentially humorous scenes that don't make sense. And then there are these incongruous things that don't seem like they belong. They're too meta. And like the police station, and they don't feel like they are they're fitting in the the movie, and it's just like it's totally uneven. Uh, the performances are uneven, uh, completely bizarre choices. I think once you know more about it, you're like, oh, oh, definitely. I I could see how patchwork and slipshod and sort of rushed this entire thing is. Uh, but 
there are there are promising little bits and bobs. I wish we got to see whatever whoever's version was actually good. Yeah, it'd be I don't know, it'd be interesting to see this with a slightly darker bent. Um mm-hmm. or like I said, just I can find comedy in something trying to take itself too seriously. But when you're trying to inject comedy into it for the sake of that, then it feels like it's like I said, it's like a caricature. It's like it is like satire, but I think honestly this movie's probably about seven years too early. I, I yeah. feel I feel like it's like this should have been at the heyday when that style of action movie finally evaporated, which was, you know, early two thousands was when that style kind of goes away, and I think this would have been a perfect way to just kind of look in that. Yeah, I think it's messy, dumb satire that doesn't know what it is. I think that done well and done a little bit later, like you're saying, I think that it has potential to be something really special. Yeah, I don't I'm... think if it has any renaissance right now, I don't think that's really earned. I think it's a... It's a. There are a lot of fun parts about the movie, but it's too long and bloated and un, un, weirdly tonally uneven. I think to be truly one. Like I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't think I'd actively go out and watch it again. But if it was like between this and Norbit, I'd probably watch Norbit. But sure. I mean, the Norbit scale is is tipped heavily in whatever on the other end of the Norbit scale you're yeah. considering. But there is, I mean, there are some parts. I actually think this is one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's, like, better performances. Um, oddly enough. And then Charles Dance is wonderful in it. But um, Charles Dance is, like, wonderful in almost anything. Totally. But, like, I'm not thinking Tyron Lannister is going to, you know, at at the time, hot Tyron Lannister <laughs> sit there and do it. But like there is a level of nuance. He gives this like one dimensional character. There's even like, there's that part when he's in the r- real world. I put that in quotes when he's real. Like when he sees those people, well, like those two dudes kill that guy for the shoes, which was a real thing. Like yeah. I remember Good thing I grew up poor because I never had shoes anyone wanted to steal from me. But that was a real real thing, though. That was a real damn thing you had to worry about. You had to worry about what colors you wore to what neighborhoods you wear and stuff like this. And there's that whole moment where this guy, you could see this, like, wonderment, like, wait, they killed him for his shoes? And he puts up the collar and he just kind of, like, is almost like, you know, a character out of out of time within this and then he quickly realizes oh i can get like bad guys could win here this is awesome that's a great realization yeah that's a that's a great realization like that's something that you're like oh that's cool (laughs) i you know what i don't know if i agree this is one of arnold's better performances i think it i think he is good but like total recall is better uh sure i'm not I'm not saying this is his best performance. Terminator and Terminator 2 are better. I think, yes, again, I'm not saying this is one of, like, this is his best performance. I'm saying this is one of his better performances. I will agree with you that it is one of his performances. Yeah. It's certainly one of his performances. Well, we agree to disagree. Like, I mean, there's something, 
like I don't know. There's something charming about this Jack Slater character. This 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 interpretation of all his characters. It's kind of like an amalgamation, especially when it starts getting to the point when he's he realizes he is just a character. It, you know, it's like his his lowest point is the point where it's the most I don't know real. So I enjoy about it. Yeah, he uh, does a. I think he does a a good Arnold job. He yeah, brings look, all the things that make Arnold likable to the performance. I don't know if it elevates it above any of the other ones, but he. I don't know. He doesn't I'd do say, a bad job. I say it's better than his uh, Mister Freeze. I would say it's better than okay. his End of Days. I'd say it's better than Eraser. I Shit, mean, I'd say it's probably like, better than Junior. Like, like my fate. Look, my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger performance will always be, and this might be very controversial, uh, Terminator 2. Sure. Well, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that's controversial. I don't know. Some people might, like, again, I think, you know, True Lies is a fun movie, too, and I think he does a, a, a really well, like, a, a wonderful performance in that. But for me, Terminator 2. And I would then maybe, say like, that, Kindergarten Cop. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Last Action Hero is the best of his bad movies. Performance-wise, I think that's fair to say. But the thing is, he is so good in Terminator 2. Terminator, period, does not get made. Terminator 2 does not get made without Arnold. He yeah, totes. totes. is the only reason why the original one is so good. I mean, yeah. not the only reason, but it's certainly an oversized reason why it's so good. Look, I agree with you. You're not, you're not three ninja in this. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna bring bring in Arnold to two. I get it. Yeah. You're not recasting him. No, you're not recasting him for sure, for sure. Yeah, but I, I just say it's like it's self referential enough that like I don't again I don't hate it. It's not as it's a movie I no longer hate. When I was younger, I couldn't stand the movie. I couldn't understand. I couldn't stand the idea of this movie. But watching it now. Again, it's not something I'd rush out and have to own on Blu-ray or something. But, yeah, it's not as bad as it was. But I only think that's because I have, like, this more cynical, older perspective. Versus I just wanted, you know, Terminator 2 again. Which, I mean, just came out, you know, a couple years before this and just was, you know, gangbusters. I mean, it's still one of my favorite action movies of all time. Yeah, I think it's certainly not as bad as the reputation it had when it came out. And, you know, it it's hard to say how well it would have done in a vacuum because it came out a week after Jurassic Park. So it had the deck stacked against it from the beginning. And for whatever Don't. reason, the the company, I think it was Columbia who was putting it out yep. or had the distribution rights had committed to this date. And even though they knew Jurassic park was going to be out, they refused to move it. And Arnold Schwarzenegger apparently called up the producers and was like, Hey, we have to move it. There's no way we're going up against Jurassic park. And they were like, no, this is going to be big. This is going to be it. So you're bigger than dinosaurs. <laughs> so hard to say like in a vacuum, like if they put it out in a in January, would it still be considered? It would probably be a, cl a critical bomb, but it may have made more money. Uh, maybe it may have made its budget back. 
but it's not doing itself any favors, certainly. Uh, but I, exactly, I don't think it's as, as bad as as its reputation at the time. Uh, still not good though. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a good movie. I'm not going there either. I'm just saying it's not as bad. <laughs> it's, it's it's not as bad as I thought it was when I was younger. But yes. that being said, it's not like a great. Like it, it's not a great movie. It's not something like if you were going through the uh, Schwarzenegger catalog would be something that I'd be like, you have to watch this. You have you seen have you seen Last Action Hero? You haven't? My God. Yeah, I mean, you must. There's a scene in there that makes no sense. <laughs> it's a scene. It looks like space aliens also work at the police station. Where, where does this take place? I don't know. I have no idea. You follow your nose. I Oh, my God. So here, okay, this is how it stacks up against Jurassic Park. So Jurassic Park came out a week earlier. Uh-huh. Jurassic Park was two hours and seven minutes long. Its budget. <laughs> that, by the way, that movie flies by. You, yeah, could, you could tell me that movie was 80 minutes long. I would believe you. It's brilliantly paced. Yes. It is a similarly rated PG-13. Mm-hmm. Its budget was $63 million. <laughs> It's less. It costs less. Jurassic Park Jurassic costs Park. less than Last Action Hero. And its domestic opening. So Last mm-hmm. Action's domestic opening was $15 mil, Which uh-huh. is, I mean, I guess respectable. Totally respectable. Jurassic Park was $47 million. <laughs> Domestically, uh, it made three hundred and fifty-seven million. Internationally, it made double that. It almost made a billion dollars for its original release on its twenty thirteen re-release in forty-eight markets. Even if we were to do this for inflection, its domestic gross was forty-five million. This is <laughs> it made almost as much. Yes. As- this last section heroes debut uh in 2013 wow, yeah, the, wow wow the only time last action hero beat jurassic park was on its 2020 re-release during the height of covid in four markets it only made 1.3 million dollars oh god i can't believe it made that much that is insane yeah jurassic this is insane yeah, like, I would have moved it. I would have hella moved it. I don't think it would have done it any, um, done it any favors. But I definitely would have moved it. But yeesh, I mean, it could, it, it probably would have had more better legs. It had it been moved out. Uh, but good gravy, it's insane. It got clobbered. I mean, gods. I mean, I don't know. The Jurassic Park still kind of holds up. There are parts that still hold up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just, I think it just recently started showing its age. I mean, as a movie, though, it's just one of the best movies. Yeah. It's hard fun. to, hard to go up against that. Yeah. I mean, look, in terms of action movies and pacing, Spielberg has the formula. So, like, um, and like it, building endearing characters and a, quality script and everything else it's it's spielberg is hard to beat like you're not, you're not doing it it regularly 
And guess who was offered to direct this movie? Don't tell me One, Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg, yep. And he was oh. like, nah, I want to go make Schindler's List. Oh, well. Um, good move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good move on his part now, but picture a last action hero Spielberg movie. I mean... It has I, to be better, right? It has to be better. Yeah, he brings in... He makes it a whole different thing. I bet it's super heartfelt. Uh, I bet it's wonderful. Uh, here's a little, another little fun bit of trivia. So, Art Carney played Frank, the... Yeah. Uh, the His favorite second cousin. Right? His favorite second cousin. But do you know who played uh, the... The guy who took tickets at the movies. Uh, I mean, I've seen him before. Um, you, you see him all the time. Was it Art Carney's second favorite cousin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. That's right. It was Fart Carney. Fart Carney. Uh, <laughs> a lot of good, a lot of good fart uh, humor in this movie. Uh, hey, wasn't that dude like God? I remember I'm, him. I remember him. I'm just him. stalling because I'm trying to find him, and he's just not. Oh, you want his on name? Robert list. Prosky. His name Nick. is Robert Prosky. Yeah, Nick. Okay. Well. Yeah, the creepy ticket taker who he never seems go- so familiar to me. Yeah. I mean, not Art Carney familiar, but he seemed really familiar. I mean, I remember him in like Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, I feel like I've seen him everywhere. But I feel uh, like he was. Oh, you know why he's familiar? Hmm. He was in Gremlins 2, The New Batch. He was Grandpa Fred. Okay. <laughs> Grandpa Fred. From. Uh, I mean, maybe he was just a little bit of a that guy. But uh, he uh, originally that character, the ticket taker and, and weird, creepy old man who's always hanging out with this unattended kid, uh was originally the villain shockingly uh he was supposed to be like a demonic sort of entity uh the and i think that that's how there was uh, this aspect of magic uh that was that was uh, included in the story uh, that i mean that it's funny like as you're saying these things and like watching the movie recently there's that part when he lets you know danny in He's wearing that Usher outfit for some reason, and just like, this is really creepy. I feel like that's a holdover from when he was a demon. Yeah. Also, yeah. funny that they uh, that they say that he got that ticket from Houdini. Houdini yep. famously uh, did not believe in any sort of spiritualism or yep. or magical power, and and went out of his way to debunk things. Yep. The fact that he's going around handing out real tickets that allow you to jump dimensions to kids. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, Houdini? Yeah. You're gonna get this kid killed. You can't that's be doing the that. best case scenario. <laughs> I mean, it definitely would have made for a shorter movie. It certainly. I mean, because that kid dies when the dynamite explodes in the theater and throws him through the screen. Oh, my God. That would be such a better version of this movie. It's just at this <laughs> point, he's just in the afterlife, but he doesn't realize it. And oh, just, you know, that actually, that's actually interesting. Holy shit. That would have been great. And then it ends, and we're just like, 
at like a funeral site. And just his mom in the corner, and you're just like, what the fuck is this? And it just goes, Finney, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> After the movie ends. Arnold Jack Slater's like, you have to go. You have to go to the light. You're running over there. And then it's, yeah, it's just a door, and he runs through it. Go, I'll protect you. And then he runs through it, and then all Danny, of a sudden. Danny, you can't stay here. You boom have to go. To the mom. That's it. Yeah, that's how the movie. Oh my god, I think we just made a better version of last time. Yeah, Shakira. and we. Here's another thing. Another because they again they the whole hallmark of this movie is going kind of like playing with an idea but never committing to it. Yeah. Uh, I would have loved so several times in this movie, we see an actor stuntman, as crystal clear as day and on screen for a good thirty count. It feels like. Yep. yep. Uh, I would have loved a scene in the movie. Where Danny looks away, you know, the big stunt happens, and he looks back, and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double, and it's just like Jack Slater is someone different for like ten seconds. <laughs> like having them acknowledge that, and having him just like change into a literal other person, uh, and having them lampshade that would have been funny. Yeah, like I mean, if you're gonna, like I said, either commit to making an action movie and don't try to do the jokes because the jokes will naturally come or embrace it completely. And I think that would have done it. Like even him grabbing Danny's hand, Danny looks and you know, they're running through fire or whatever and looks up and it's just a completely different dude. <laughs> yeah. and then cuts back and all of a sudden it's Arnold. You're just like, what? And you know, make us as the film watcher question what we are seeing. Like, was this by accident or on purpose? You know, but just, yeah, completely embrace it. I agree. Yeah. Another feeling that I had while watching this movie is like it's clear that they kind of lost the plot in more ways than one, but also they seem like they forgot who this movie was aimed at mm. because a lot of it seems like it should be a kid's movie, including the PG-13 rating. And then there are scenes like the scene where they they show a uh, a, a runway show and there are just like 10... 15 women in very sheer skimpy lingerie and they have the camera like on the floor just staring at butts for like what feels like forever it's like is this for kids like who is this for is this the little part in the movie where it's like it's something for daddy (laughs) i mean maybe or you know just like i mean it's just like that is That was the hallmark of action movies at the time. You're just like, this seems gratuitous, you know, at a a certain point. And even, I mean, even the angles, like you said, they're not even like, it's the thing is they're not even traditional, like Tiernan angles, but he was like, yep, let's just keep it a low shot over here. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and there's some parallels between the. Yeah, you know, the, the opening shot and the other shot, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of it. I mean, I mean, even Danny calls it out. He's like, "There's no ugly women here in this world. They're yeah. all just, you know, like because it's a movie. No, it's California." Uh, which again was a funny line, but they they have too much air on the end of it. <laughs> it just like just dies on the vine. Uh, the also um. They say the words pre premature ejaculation twice in the movie, which I was grossed out by. Yeah, this feels like something I'd never never say in front well never say in front of anyone. 
I would imagine saying that to a kid. Yeah, no, 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 no. Your first divorce. Um, yeah, so many parts of this movie just left me scratching my head. Um, yeah. So, any do you have? Let's let's close this out. You have any final thoughts about this this year movie? Aside from the fact that just bravo, uh, bravo to uh. God, what's her name? <laughs> Who plays his daughter? Oh, uh, Brigitte Wilson. Brigitte Wilson. She has. I was trying to search for her name because her name is different now. It's hyphenated. I'm sorry, Brigitte. You deserved better uh, than me forgetting your name. But uh, just great job. Fan- no complaints. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, Brigitte Wilson Sampras. There we go. Like Pete Sampras? I mean, I don't know about all that. Let's see if uh, says who she's married to. But yes, it seems like Pete Sampras. Hey, good on you. Uh, it is. Yeah, Pete Sampras. Heck yeah. Yep. All right, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, Sonya Blade herself. That's it. We got Sonya Blade a few years after this movie, so uh, thankful for that. Um kicking ass in this movie as yeah. uh, Jack Slate's streetwise daughter. Why can't she just be a normal girl? <laughs> he, he laments. What does he say? She's going to die a young maid. <laughs> yes. So, let's dust off some ye old language, huh? Let's just yeah. go. It's, I mean, that's Hashtag kinda, you gross. That's Yeah. You burnt, you gross, you canceled. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's just like this this oddly, like I said, feels like satire, but kind of thinking about it from what you said, what, you know, uh, Arnold was talking about when he's saying, you know, I'll always picture me riding John Wayne's horse. Like he has a lot of these older character actors from, you know, like a bygone era. Like the ones he could get, like the Art Carneys and the Anthony Quinns. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh Famous for, at least for me, Anthony Quinn, Zeus, <laughs> the Hercules, the legendary journeys, the good Zeus, the one in the TV movies. Yeah, not, 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 not jerk face, uh, Zeus on the They TV were all show. pale imitations there, uh, thereafter, in my opinion. Sure, sure. I give, I give it to you. But, you know, I mean, that dude was a famous actor way back in the day and this just feels like this is some sort of weird uh swan song to that (laughs) it truly does yeah it's not as like i said it's not as bad that's right he was anthony quinn was in the guns of navarone i actually like that movie for an old movie (laughs) it's pretty good anyway it's not as bad as i think people make it out to be but it's not great and it's not really for me it's not really worth a revisit especially if you're thinking about it in terms of like i want to go through arnold's like uh, movie career and i want to see like his highlights this is definitely not it um you you could clearly jump this one um but i think there is a good there's a good movie idea inside of this and there are moments where it shines, but it's not as much as, um, like it could be. 
Yeah, it's a concept that's done better elsewhere. There's like a fish. There's a lot of, especially in the mid '90s or early '90s, and the the late, the mid to late '80s, there were a lot of sort of fish out of water style movies. Of which this is not a great example. Uh, I agree with you. I think that it got a lot. It like it is was like the worst movie ever made when it came out, according to some, but. I think it, that reputation is a little unearned. I think there's a lot, there's fun stuff in it, but it is just like, I can't, I could never recommend this to somebody who hasn't seen it just because it is so long. And the scenes that are great are few and far between. And it is paced really bizarrely. And now that I've known what's happened behind the scenes, I get it. Uh, there's a lot of movies that are coming out around the or that came out in the 90s that are getting sort of reevaluated and I'm all for that. I think it's important to go back and reevaluate how you feel about things and and maybe take your experiences and come at them from a different angle and I totally support that. I don't know if this is I think we can just leave this one in the ground. <laughs> I mean, I mean just... it was it was a thing. It happened. It's there are some interesting parts, but you know, RIP yeah, just leave. I mean, just leave it for you know cable, television, movie block, and if it's there, it's there, you know. But yeah, I don't. I I've not heard of the lax action hero renaissance. I don't put it past it. Everything gets its due at some point. But yeah, there there's so many movies even around this period that you could just watch that are Arnold's like I said you could literally just wait for true lies that came out 94 and that is a fun movie especially yeah, compared it, to last action hero absolutely and in itself you, I guess you could argue that's a more it's a bit of a satire of spy movies itself so yep. in, in terms of like lampooning uh genres that you know action heroes have been a part of yeah, if you're looking for that kind of movie, True Lies, just watch True Lies. It's way better. Uh, yeah, so I think that's where I that's where I fall on it. I think it was interesting to look at. It's incredible that it's been 30 years since it came out. Um, but uh, it's just an interesting little time capsule. What I would recommend is look up the Empire article about the making of A Last Action Hero. That is fascinating. Uh, I had more fun reading about the the behind the scenes drama than I did uh, watching, watching the movie. movie. Yeah, that ain't yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty low bar. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll read that article because I because I, I was trying to find some like stuff on it in terms of going through, and I was like, eh, I ain't gonna dig that deep. We'll do. <laughs> I just go with my gut as I was watching it. It's like mm, feels like someone was snorting coke during this part. Anyway. Oh, I mean, yeah, you can hear it. I think on the foley. Um, <laughs> especially when the that, what you call it the color form was rolling down the fucking <laughs> again like that's like wacky airplane style movie and the, again they just needed to stick with one of those it yep. might have been good pickling yeah pickling exactly Rich it, well, Hot, Dodge, Hot Shots Part 2 or Part 2 came out in 93 go watch that yeah yeah, if you can stomach watching uh, Charlie, Sheen. Charlie Sheen now knowing what kind of a person he is, then uh, uh, a much better, a much more competent parody. Uh, I was going to recommend the Naked Gun movies, but again, if you're 
to talk can... about people you may think about differently these days. I mean, look, let's let's be fair. It's probably a save. Last Action Hero is probably a safer movie yeah. than some of those at that from that perspective. You're not wrong. But, yeah, uh, not it has problematic much. parts, but it's mostly making fun of those problematic parts. So there you go. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's the official pop saga rating. There you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not not a. I don't think a hearty recommend from either of us. But I it mean, was fun we, uh, watching it and talking about it. We didn't even invoke. I mean, not like we really spoiled anything, but we didn't even invoke the spoiler. Which I'm no, sure I think she we did a even... pretty good job of keeping it uh, general. No, actually, yeah. I asked her about it earlier, and she was like, "What? Didn't even know that was a movie." <laughs> oh, f- oh, good for us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've discovered a little bit of a blind spot as far as the spoiler which goes. I'll take it. Uh, me too. All right, well, that's going to do it for us today and this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We sure as heck enjoyed making it for you. Um, so without further ado, take it away, Arno Forrest. A big thank you to Burton M6 for all the incredible music on our show. You can find a link to his Fiverr page in our show notes. You can also find links to our social media, Discord, and merch store in our show notes as well. Just click that Pico link. From us here at Pop Saga to all of you out there, we want to say thank you for joining us. Your support means the world. We hope that you're feeling happy and healthy, and we'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. Now here's John with one last bit of sage advice before we say goodbye. Thanks, Arno Forrest. Remember, folks, if you want to be a farmer, you need a couple of acorns. Hey, thank you for tuning in to all my super fans. Hope you coming back again. Got a shout out to Fresca. I know you riding with me as we pull up in the Hyundai Daily City. <laughs> you want the hype? I gotcha. Gotta keep it locked right here on Pop Saga. Woo! Pop Saga, let's go. 